you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Hey, everyone. This is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude, Tanneritos. I've been needing a quick getaway with my family, and the 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe is the perfect vehicle to take us there. It has standard third-row seating, so I'm able to pack my entire family, plus pets, in the car while also having enough room for our camping essentials. Available H-Track all-wheel drive will get us through any dirt trails, and available dual wireless charging pads will ensure we never have to worry about getting stuck with a dead phone in the middle of nowhere. Visit HyundaiUSA.com. Or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. I'm so excited to tell you JCPenney and country music singer-songwriter Walker Hayes are partnering together on a new limited-time men's collection for the everyday guy. What I love about Walker Hayes is his laid-back nature. He's a family man and being a country megastar while also having seven kids. You know he likes to keep his style cool and casual. This new collection is perfect for the guy living the t-shirt life or someone wanting some fresh options that feel just as good. It's easy to wear, affordable styles that celebrate the ultimate family man, along with the quality, durability, and sensibility dads appreciate. Available online Saturday, May 4th at jcp.com and in-store Thursday, May 16th. Just in time for Father's Day. Limited time only. JCPenney, make it count. Picasso knows your vacation home is your best home. It's the place that brings family and friends together. It's where you're the best version of yourself. Picasso makes it easy to co-own a luxury vacation home in amazing locations. Listings start at 200K for one-eighth ownership. Picasso does all the work for you. Luxury furnishings, maintenance, billing, scheduling, and more. And you can resell on Picasso's marketplace anytime, historically for a 10% gain. Visit Picasso to see thousands of listings. That's P-A-C-A-S-O dot com. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. And now, Move the Sticks with Daniel Jeremiah and Bucky Brooks. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Move the Sticks, presented by Castro Ledge. DJ Bucky back with you. Buck, how you doing, man? Man, I'm great. DJ, this time of year is always fun. It's, it's fun for a few different reasons. One, we're in the championship round of the NFL playoffs, and we have plenty of time to talk about that. We'll talk about more of that later in the week um, to preview the AFC and the NFC championship games, the Kansas City Chiefs and the Buffalo Bills, the Green Bay Packers and the Tampa Bay Bucks. But then the Senior Bowl is is right up on us. And with the announcements of all the underclassmen declaring, uh, getting ready for the Senior Bowl and the players that are participating in that it is really time to start talking about the draft and the process and everything that goes into the final evaluations and dealing with some of the obstacles that the scouts will have to deal with this this offseason when it comes to it. 
Yeah, no, it's a fun time of year. Uh, I'm getting ready to uh, turn in a mock draft. I've got the top 50 that will be coming out next week, I believe. So working on all that, just cranking on those guys. I want to get to uh, a couple of those guys I've seen I thought were you know interesting conversations, which we can have a little bit later on on the pod. want to talk about a couple of these new hires, uh, specifically Robert Sala to the Jets, Arthur Smith to the Falcons, what we think of those. Um, but, but as we get started here, I think the big news for the week, especially for those interested in scouting, um, as two former scouts, I think this is uh, is huge news. The fact that the NFL scouting combine is not going to happen in its standard uh, traditional format. There's going to be no on-field workouts, nothing like that. Uh, looks like players will be getting their medicals regionally uh, at, at hospitals, and then uh, it's going to be all on pro days. So the good news is, I know. Look, it's 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 a bummer for us who cover it, and it's a big event for us at NFL Network. Um, but the, the the good side of it is, is that these pro days are going to be huge and we're going to be covering a ton of them. In the past, I think we've done just, you know, two, three, four pro days. You can expect we're going to be covering a lot more of those uh, where you and these guys are all going to work out. How many times we, we cover these pro days? They worked out at the combine. They don't do anything at their pro day. These pro days, you're going to see all those guys. So that's going to be fun. Yeah. So it ups the ante a few different ways. And so let's go back and, and kind of sequence this out about the combine and why it really, really matters. And so for everyone who is kind of known about the combine you've always heard people on the inside talk about the most important part of the combine the medical part and the interviews and being able to sit there in person and have those interviews really really matter because it's the first time in the process that coaches are involved the general manager sits opposite a top prospect and then the area and national scouts are also there without the the physical combine it changes the dynamics a little bit because everything is virtual. And when you're living in a virtual world, you also have to combine the fact that area scouts have not really done school calls like they have in the past. And so the deep dive, the background checks, the deep digging, potentially you could have more gaps in the process than we've ever had before. And so without the combine to really hold some prospects feet to the fire for some of the things that may have happened in the past. I think this is one where scouts have to really, really have contacts in the school to be able to ask the questions that are necessary. So you can tell if a guy is a cultural fit for your team. Yeah. I feel like it's going to be kind of speed dating, right? You're not going to get a chance to have the in-depth knowledge that maybe you would have had in other years. But I was talking to a GM last night and he brought up a great point. He said, you know what, looking back on last year's draft for this team specifically, he said, I think it's the best draft that we've had in a long time. And he said, the reason is because we didn't get caught up in all the fluff. There wasn't as much group think because people weren't piling around at pro days last year. Um, you know, cause right after the combines when everything shut down, and he said, we, we put more emphasis on the tape last year than we ever have in the evaluation process. And it mm. said the results kind of spoke for themselves. And he said, and another thing is like when you get to draft day, you don't have you're all on Zoom, right? They weren't together. So he said, you don't have a, you know, a special teams coach or a coordinator coming up and, and lobbying for this guy or that guy or complaining. We don't have this or the other. You don't have even like an owner that's getting in your ear and is, is pressing you on certain things. He's like, we got a chance to just, you know, kind of be peaceful and kind of had our list. And it was just very calm. And we just ticked off the list one after another based off what we saw on the tape and end up having one of your best drafts. So it's funny that you mentioned that, right? Um, we have talked about like some things that happened during the pandemic that would continue to stay. And one of the benefits of the pandemic had been how 
scouting staffs have been able to work from a virtual standpoint, Zoom meetings, doing things that way, kind of being independent contractors in terms of making sure we look at the tape, but you're not influenced, what, as I say, by the room. Because, you know, DJ, when we're sitting there, for people that don't know, in, in the old world, pre-pandemic, scouts would get together a few times a year. Everyone would be in there and they would be reading their reports in front of their peers and decision making, decision makers. And sometimes when you're presenting, you can feel the weight of the room either with you or against you. <laughs> and sometimes it can make you change maybe the adjectives that you use in describing a player. Well, virtually, you don't feel that same sense. Everyone is on you, but it's it's not the peer pressure. And so it's more comfortable. It's more comfortable. You dial in. You basically read the report as it's written. It's written as you saw the player off the tape and not influenced by, hey, I was in a room and I had a scout from the Ravens, the Eagles, uh, the Washington football team, everyone kind of chiming in. And so it's your real evaluation. And so I do believe there is something that is positive to going about it. And because I grew up in a system where it was all the tape and we did all of that tape work, I'm very, very comfortable in that world. And I think what others are seeing Hey, man, I'm going to trust the tape and I'm not going to worry about all of the other stuff that comes about it. And I think for you, I would always like to ask you, because in Baltimore, I was always heard like you guys didn't really pay a lot of attention to pro days and numbers and workouts and those things. So how do you think scouts that were reared in that kind of system were fair in this new world of scouting and evaluating? Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, sometimes we would celebrate when guys didn't have a good pro day because like, oh, great, we're going to get a little value on this player. He's a good player, man. Um, So you're going to rely more on that on that game speed and tape speed versus the time speed. And the other thing that's going to be fascinating is that you're going to have apples to oranges, you know, with these with these times, because the the surfaces these guys are going to be running at are so different at all these different campuses. So um I think those have, have long been kind of tiebreakers, right? You have similar grades on people. I always say the testing does matter. It's not everything, but it's not nothing. Um, if you have close grades on on a couple guys, that testing can can leapfrog you uh, over another player. So um, it's gonna be it's gonna be challenging. And I, I think you're gonna see teams go at this two different ways. You're gonna see some teams be very conservative, where they're gonna want guys that played football in the fall. Um, they're gonna want guys that they have no character questions on um whatsoever and just keep it in the fairway kind of go with the doubles philosophy and there's going to be other teams going to be like man i'm getting a steal i'm getting a value we've been able to you know as we say in scouting we've been able to clean this guy up a little bit based off of our information and who we talk to um so we we might be getting you know third fourth round picks we're going to be getting guys who we think could be second round type players um because some other teams will choose to be conservative it's going to be i i've likened it to a baseball draft where you have a choice between the high upside high school kids with the low floor or the low ceiling high floor college kids it's going to be like that in, in the nfl draft this year so two things because you prompted and i and i wrote these two things down um you talked about conservative or aggressive so my question to you is how do we handle the opt-outs How do we handle the opt-outs now that we don't have the combine for them to make the big splash? How do we handle it if they opted out and maybe they do or they don't do the pro day or private workouts? Like, I think that is the challenge. I think the opt-outs can be a huge challenge because you may not get all the verified information that we were 
counting on when it came to the combine and that stuff. Well, let, let me tell you right now what's going on behind the scenes is these workout facilities are aggressively sending videos to teams and scouts and their sources with teams and showing you, hey, I know this guy didn't play last year. Check this out. Last year he played at 220. Now he's a rocked up 212 and he is flying. Like watch him move around, watch him work. And then you know how we're teams like you feel like you got some insider information like, man, okay, everybody else is valuing this guy here. But he's actually it should be up here because of the changes he's made over the last year. Uh, the thing that they don't realize is that video is being sent to all 32 teams. So it's not like it's some kind of a proprietary uh, secret here. But uh, but I do think that that those facilities and those trainers this year, I've always used them. I know you have too. you call them and try and get some scoop and some intel on guys. Never been more important than it is now, particularly when it comes to those opt out guys. Well, it's worth worth their weight in gold. I mean, yeah. it's worth their weight in gold. And just so uh, fans understand, scouts are forbidden from being able to go and really watch those workouts in person. Like last, I don't think the league has changed those rules. Like you can't necessarily go and watch those guys work out or whatever. However, that won't stop you from maybe contacting an intermediary from going and getting some of that stuff and filming it and sending it to you, whatever. I think you have to be resourceful in that fact i think the other thing that will come out this year dj i think it has to be um a complete conversation now with your scouting staff and your coaching staff in terms of who are we and what is our developmental plan because what may also continue to um exist is the lack of off-season workouts in otas and so if you don't have the ability to do those things and we're talking about a player that maybe hasn't played fall of 2020 what is our plan for getting someone ready to play in 2021 without all of that other stuff and is this a situation where much like you talked about in baseball hey we're going to take this guy high but we know let's temper expectations on the outside for how much this guy is going to contribute because what we're going to do is we're going to use the first half of the season to make sure that we're teaching them to get him ready to play. So we have a full-on developmental program where he's coming before practice, after practice, and we're basically using the first half of the season as a red shirt program to get him ready to play down the stretch. Because I think you have to have that ability with the coaching staff. You guys are going to have to be more vested because it's not going to be a finished product when he comes in because he hasn't played. So some of the onus is on you to get him ready to be able to play. And we've seen rookies this year play in these situations where they've been able to succeed. The only difference is some of these guys wouldn't have played their final season of college. Yeah, but I think this year is a great example, right? All these rookies, we thought, man, I don't know how all these rookies are going to get on the field, how they're going to play. And we've, we've seen so many of these rookies play great because the virtual learning, right? That was yeah. We were sitting there going, well, you can't get in the building. You're not going to get on the grass. How are these guys going to be ready to play? Well, it's a new era. And we've used technology with the virtual learning, and a lot of these guys learn that way anyways. So it's I think that has – it's better for them. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's so better, you're, not, better. you're not studying a playbook. You're, they're putting – they're sharing their screen and showing you this is the, what you're doing on this play. I mean, this is what we want from you here. And they, they're taking that in, and they learn that way. So I think for, even for the guys that missed last season, the good news is I think mentally they're going to be able to get these guys up to speed. Yeah, and I, I think it'll, it'll force a couple of different things because we also saw this too, DJ. I feel like the best teams – were teams that had a maybe a simpler nature to how they played and how they got it done. And I think this will continue to expose 
the great organizations that have great coaches slash teachers versus those that don't have the ability to really teach and put it together. Because we saw a couple of teams really, really struggle with guys acclimating to new systems or whatever. But then we saw other teams who had new coaching staffs like the Browns. Yeah. Win double digit games, advance in the playoffs without having to Ford Avenue. So I think right now, man, look, you either adapt or die. I think you have to adapt to the new world that we're in, not only scouting, but also coaching. And you have to figure out a way to get it done. But without a combine and with a new landscape when it comes to working out in pro days, you have to get it. I mean, you have to change. You have to figure it out. But I think it puts a lot of onus on the scouting directors, the general managers to provide a level of direction that enables their guys to kind of evaluate the players and make sure that you get the board stacked the right way. I'm curious to see when something's going to come out on private workouts, right? Yeah. I mean, I'm assuming they won't allow them would be my guess that they're not going to allow that. So these kids aren't going to have to do 32 individual private workouts and that it'll be limited to the pro day. But I don't know. I haven't seen any information on that. What, so hap- that what happened? What happened now. after the pandemic? Happened? You couldn't do any of this. You stuff, couldn't right? do it. You couldn't do private workouts last year. Right. And so, so DJ, cause also now let's think about it from the other side you're the agent. Hey, I'll let you work out at the pro day, but I'm also not going to let you work out too many times and incur all of the injury risks that that or the virus, the virus risk for crying out loud. Yeah. So it so it have to be different. It's, so, it's all yeah. about the tape. So here's my here's my thought on this. We've always had and, you know, you know, you know it every year. You always go to the combine. Right. And there's those three to four corners. Three to four receivers. Workout we don't warriors. Think, we well no, the guys we don't think can run, right? Okay. And so you're like, okay, they're gonna they're gonna have a phantom hammy at the combine. But then they have to come up. Then a lot of times they're like they just put everything off to their pro day. Hopefully they're on a fast surface at their pro day and then they run there. It's it's tough. It's it's possible to dodge one of the two, right? It's tough. People have pulled it off, but it's tough to come up with something, a reason why you can't run at the combine and you can't run at the pro day. Like think back to Jarvis Jones. Remember Jarvis Jones? He couldn't uh, run a lick. Yeah, yeah. So he didn't run at the combine. Well, at Georgia's pro day, he ran. He ran slow. It still ended up going in the, in the first round, but didn't help himself. Now, man, if you're a corner or wide receiver that can't run, just one time you got to have it just tightened up a little bit. I well, I, well I, I think now, I mean, you, you talk about – the pandemic changing things, but we've also seen guys just refuse to work out, period. Yeah. Like, um, I'll do the bench press or guys avoiding the bench oh, press. Top quarterbacks, them. yeah. They're just not working out. And so – That was I, Joe Burrow last year, right? No, Yeah, nothing. no no workout, nothing. And so I, I just think your eyes have to be so dialed in this year yeah. when it comes to looking at the tape, and you have to be able to dig deeper. And I think you have to challenge your scouts to look beyond the normal – Slater games that you would watch. I think I'm going to have to go back and I'm going to have to do a two, maybe even a three-year eval on players to see how guys progressed over the course of their collegiate career and and really try and lock down what I what I believe that I see on tape. And I have to trust that report. And more times than not, DJ, we, we found when you go with your initial impressions off tape, most more times than not, your grade is more accurate in terms of how a player is going to play within a system. No doubt. Uh, very true. Uh, let's get to a couple of these hires here. Solid to the Jets, Arthur Smith to the Falcons. Heard a story on Arthur Smith um, uh, today, actually, I thought it was a great story. Just about, um, I don't know, if awareness is, is a good trade, I think, for a head coach. I don't know if we talk about that very much, but just kind of being able to see the big picture and having 
kind of that that understanding. And it, he told me a great story just about Derrick Henry. We I remember in my in my scouting report on Derrick Henry, it literally says in there he needs a runway. Mm-hmm. So if you think about it, Derrick Henry's career did not start off a blaze of fire mm-hmm. here. It was not great. Uh, and even under Matt LaFleur, it was not great. And then Arthur Smith, when he took it over, um, th- it started to really it started to really jump and take off. And one of the things he did was he was getting the ball at a, at a yard, yard and a half from the line of scrimmage. And they said, no, we got to get him the ball two yards from the line of scrimmage. So back him up a little bit, make sure that the, 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 uh, uh, mesh point is a little bit deeper. It gives him time to get going, gives him time to see, gives him time to build up. He, he's not somebody that had great, great vision coming out of Alabama. But one thing was you get him a runway and good luck getting him on the ground. Just that little, little thing that Arthur Smith did. I thought, man, that's, that, that's being perceptive and being aware. And I think that's that's one of the biggest things. And, and I will say this uh, from a head coaching perspective, it's, it's far more than being a play caller. But one of the things that you have to do as a head coach, is you have to be able to solve problems. You have to be able to look at the issues that you have, particularly with your best players and figure out how can we put them in the best position to maximize their talents. And so when we look at Derrick Henry, I think Derrick Henry is a great example Derrick Henry, to me, is a guy that is an old-school tailback that needs to be in the dot position in the I formation. I want him eight yards deep. I want him coming downhill. I want everything to kind of be that. If I put him in the shotgun, ideally maybe in the pistol, I want him to be able to do things that really work for him. And then what Arthur Smith was able to do, not only with Derrick Henry, but what about the job he did with Ryan Tannehill? Ryan Tannehill became, I mean – Look, man, we can talk about Ryan Tannehill being a top five, top seven quarterback in the league since he became the starting quarterback in Tennessee. His numbers are on par with what Pat Mahomes was putting up. And part of that is Arthur Smith's ability to look at what Ryan Tannehill does really well, play action pass, some of the shotgun stuff, some of the running game, and do it. That's what great coaches do. And I think great coaches find a way to make the game easy for their best players. And Arthur Smith has done that. And so the awareness that you have is being aware of the talents that your guys have and trying to find a way to fit them into the desired scheme that you want to run. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, any other thoughts on that, on that fit there? I think it's a good hire. I like Fontenot. I don't know, but he's got a great reputation uh, coming over from the saints as a general manager. So it's I, everything I've heard about him has been excellent and pairing him up with Arthur Smith. I like what the Falcons did. Yeah, I like what the Falcons are doing because I think it's 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 about putting those guys in lockstep. The reason why I think it's important for Fontenot coming in from the division, DJ, we talk about it, I think it's, it's not emphasized enough. When you build your team, you're building your team to win the division. You have to win a division to guarantee most times and not – you win a division, you're guaranteed of a playoff spot. So Fontenot's knowledge of the division, knowledge of what is going on, to pair those two guys together, I think works. Also, Rich McKay may be positioned in the president's role, but Rich McKay has been a general manager for a long time. His ability to come down there and whisper some nuggets into the ear of both of those guys from a team-building perspective should help. And they will grow into the job, but I think it's a lot easier to grow into the job when the guy that is at the top has some experience doing some of those things. It doesn't mean he's micromanaging but he's a trusted ear that you can listen to when you kind of run into some of those problems. And so I do like the pairing. I do like the matchup. Uh, I agree with you. Uh, switching over to the Jets. Um, to me, I think we said this from 
pretty close to the beginning here that Robert Sala made a lot of sense to the Jets just because you're hiring the kind of the opposite of what you just had. You know, you go from an offensive guy to a defensive guy, from a maybe more reclusive personality in Adam Gase to a big presence, you know, big leader, um, energy, uh, edge. I would say they need some edge there. He brings that to the table as well. Um, and I think it matches a division. Now, you look inside that division, you've got four defensive head coaches inside the AFC East. It's setting itself up to be a slobber knocker. Yeah, it, it, it is setting itself up. Here's what I also like about the Robert Sala thing. All the things you talked about are great, like energy, leadership ability. I think he has the ability with his presence to build a culture. Defensively, there's some things that are intriguing. But more importantly, I like what he brought over with him. You and I have talked about it. We've talked about it. Ad nauseum, if I was starting a team, if I was coaching, the preferred system is the Shanahan system. Whatever that looks like, um, it is a system that is tried and true. It works. He brings over two assistants from the 49ers immediately. O-line coach, Mike McDaniel as the offensive coordinator. He also no, brings Mike LaFleur. Mike LaFleur, I'm sorry. Yeah. Mike LaFleur, Mike McDaniel got promoted in San Francisco. Mm-hmm. Mike LaFleur comes over, brings that. He brings over Tyler Embry who comes over, has been in the college game, but is the son of John John Embry. Yeah, I was going to say, yeah. Who knows it? And so you know this system. Also, it gives them options when it comes to the quarterback position with Sam Donald. We've talked about, we had intel that, hey, the Niners, Cal Shanahan really liked Sam Donald, his talents, and what it could do in their system. So now if you're Robert Sala and those guys, you try and envision what would be the best course of action potentially for the Jets. Could we stick with the quarterback and devote our resources to building up the other stuff? And maybe we get Sam playing well enough that we can do maybe what Cleveland did with Baker Mayfield and have a quick transition by doing it. Or maybe it's, hey, we can sell Sam off and do those things. But I I think your job is to give yourself as many avenues to the winner's circle. And I think by hiring what they've hired offensively, it gives them multiple avenues to build an offense and a team that can get to the winner's circle. And I think that is what your job is. And I think they've taken steps in the right direction. Yeah, they need in that defense, as you know, you need edge rushers and you need corners. And that's something that they're a little short supply right now. So they're going to have to figure that out via free agency or the draft, uh, find a way to get some uh, some guys at that spot. Be- I mean, I love Quentin Williams and what he's going to be able to do. He made a big leap this year, big played leap. well. You get, you know, people forget about CJ Mosley coming back. Um, was a good player, so they've got a chance. I think Bryce Hall played well. Their young rookie corners, big. He kind of fits that. He fits that that uh, defense. Uh, I'm sitting here looking at options, going, okay, they pick number two, and you know, I could make a strong case for Zach Wilson. Start over. You trade Sam to the Niners mm-hmm. or wherever else you want to trade him, um, and then off you go. Or you can trade out at number two. Um, stick with Sam, get a bunch of other picks. If you stuck at two and you did not take a quarterback, right? So let's say that they're going to stay with Sam. They're going to stay at two. And I and I talk about, man, they could use a big-time receiver, you know, a big-time number one. Jamar Chase is there. Mm-hmm. But we've talked about second-round receivers being value, right? They have another pick at 23. If they want to take a receiver, they could do it there. I almost think – the way to go there. I don't think there's an edge rusher worthy of the second pick, but I do think that Farley at Virginia Tech is phenomenal corner. And I think you look at Patrick Sertan at, at Alabama. Those are two kids. If you look at the size and the length and the athleticism who fit beautifully into 
into that solid defense. If you were just stuck there, couldn't get out, and you wanted to stick stick with Sam Darnold, I think taking one of those corners makes the most sense. Look, I, I like that part of it, but let, let's let's think of it this way. So Joe D comes from a school of thought where we saw in Philadelphia they always invested in the offensive line. Yep. Sam Darnold um, early in his career has been hit a ton. Mm-hmm. Uh, is there an offensive lineman that we could pigeonhole in there to go opposite Makai Becton? So when we think about this zone running game, yeah. and then we can move. Is Penny Sewell a potentially an option at two, or do do we bypass that to go with the corner and do those things? Yeah, I, I think that's a little rich for Penny Sewell on me, just me personally. Uh, I like I love Slater. I think Slater fits into that, but Slater could end up kicking inside the guard. So it's like, man, do you do you want to do that there at number mm-hmm. two? I think he's a great player. Um, but to me, that would make more sense. If you're the Jets at two, um, you could very easily pit Atlanta at four, um, Carolina at eight. You could kind of pit those teams against one another to try and come up for a quarterback, and mm-hmm. you could very easily slide back a little bit and still get – if you want to get an offensive lineman, you get one of those guys there. But as, as, as you said, DJ, like you're you – options. Jets, you're in the catbird seat. Yep. You have options. Like we just laid out a couple of different things. You talked about – the quarterback, mm-hmm. Zach Wilson, trade Sam, get some more currency coming back to address some other stuff. We talked about the big cornerback, which we haven't talked about one of those guys as a top five pick, but it does make sense in, in terms of big body. You have to, in this division, the way the division is shaping up, you need to be able to cover people because yeah. Josh Allen's not going anywhere. Yep. The Miami Dolphins are going to invest in the offensive side of the ball. And let's just assume they continue to go with Tua. You know they're going to add some firepower offensively. You got to be able to cover those guys. And this year, unlike most years, there's not a pass rusher that's worthy of being a top five pick in, in, in my mind. I don't no. I don't think there's anybody no. in, in that class. And so it has to be about the quarterback. So either you get a quarterback, you get a tackle, you get an edge rusher or a cornerback. And so quarterback, cornerback, that's where the money has to be spent when it comes to the draft capital. Yep, I agree with you. And to me, it makes sense. If you are going to take the quarterback, you stick and pick. You take whoever it is. If it's Justin Fields or Zach Wilson, whoever you want to take there at two, Trey Lance, whoever it is, wherever you love, you take him at Mm -hmm. two. If you're you're not going to take a quarterback, to me, it really doesn't make a whole lot of sense to pick it to. You get the heck out of there. Just move out because there's so many teams that are claiming we anticipate so many teams that want to jump up. You can get what you want to get. I think you have to what you have to do, what you have to do is we talk about cluster busters. You have to figure out what is the floor in yeah, terms how far of would you go? the marquee guys that we would get. But what is the floor? And once I determine what that is, is that four? I want to be ahead of Cincinnati to get whoever they may deem to be a guy. Is that eight where the Carolina Panthers? Once you figure out the floor in terms of the marquee guys that you would say, hey, these guys are difference makers, then I think it makes it easier to just show up a couple of days ahead of the draft and say, hey, we're open for business. We'll figure it out. We have a plan for whatever it shows us. Yeah, no doubt. It's going to be fun. This is just one of the things we can do on this pod over the next couple months is kind of flesh out these different scenarios. It's fun, man. It's an enjoyable time uh, being able to see all the different avenues these guys have. And once free agency happens, that helps kind of set the course a little bit more as well. Yeah, it does, because free agency will play a huge role in it, because when you're the Jets, you have a ton of cap space. The Jets and the Jags, 
they certainly can go shopping and not have to worry about what the credit limit is on the, <laughs> on the credit card. They can go do whatever it is they want to do. And so it's a matter of lining those free agent signings with the needs and at the proper value. But yeah, like what, what do you need? How do you want to get this going? Because I think for both spots, we talked about the Jets ex- extensively today, but the Jags too. How do we want to jumpstart a rebuilding process? All right, let's uh, let's wrap this thing up. Anything else you want to add before we finish this thing off, Buck? No, nah, man, I think I think it's fascinating. I think the one thing that I want to talk about on the next podcast, and I think this will kind of come into play at the top of the board, three of the four teams that are in the Final Four drafted first-round quarterbacks coming off of playoff bids. Mm-hmm. And so we've talked about how important the position is. And if the position is so important, you need to invest in it. Just talking about how, man, you have to find your quarterback in the first round because it allows you to reset the clock, but not being afraid to swing, swing the bat, swing the bat when there's a quarterback within range. And if you think about that, usually what happens is there's a run, there's a one or two guys. Cause I'm thinking back to the year with uh, when Mahomes was traded up for and Watson was traded up for. So Trubisky went early and then there was a little bit of a drop because those teams didn't need quarterbacks. And once we got to 10, those playoff teams now were like, okay, these guys are within striking distance. Let's go up and get them. And I could see a similar scenario playing out here, especially if a team like Carolina did not take one. Um, and went and decided to stick with Teddy Bridgewater. And then you had Denver, who, you know, they could stick with Locke. Dallas has one. The Giants have one. You look to San Francisco. That would be the pick at number 12. And it's the same type thing. You can, That could be the quarterback spot. So if you're one of those teams with an aging – if you're a Pittsburgh, um, if you're in Indianapolis, those are playoff teams picking in the 20s. Those are the teams I would keep an eye on that, man, if, if you start to see a Trey Lance or you start to see a Justin Fields – kind of get past Carolina, those teams could be in business to go up. Absolutely in business. I expect the Atlanta Falcons to be in business, even though they're not a playoff team. They're going to be in the mix. But I think you have to keep your eye on some team coming out of nowhere, jumping into the top 10 to get their quarterback of the future. Because we've seen it. It is much easier to go and get a quarterback while you have an aging one that is getting ready to go out than to be without one. And now I'm kind of beholden to whatever that quarterback crop is in a given year. Quarterback position, most important piece. So you got to go get one. You got to always be looking for the next guy to be your franchise quarterback. And no doubt. Well, this is a fun one today. We appreciate you guys hanging with us. Uh, remember, you can just uh, download the podcast, subscribe, all that good stuff. Tell a friend. Why not? Uh, share the news here. We're getting ready to get cranked up as we uh, head towards the off season, and we'll have uh, more on these uh, big championship games coming up on the next episode. That's going to do it for us today. He's Bucky Brooks. I'm Daniel Jeremiah. Thanks for listening to Move the Sticks, presented by Castro Edge. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. 
You're a growing business, which means you need every spare hour you can find. That's why the most successful growing businesses are working together in Slack. Slack is where work happens, with all your people, data, and information in one AI-powered place. Start a call instantly in huddles and ditch cumbersome calendar invites. Or build an automation with Workflow Builder to take routine tasks off your plate. No coding required. Grow your business in Slack. Visit slack.com to get started. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cd for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and two-door cinema club. Asking the right questions can greatly impact your future, especially when it comes to your finances. So if you're looking for a financial advisor you can trust, certified financial planner professionals are committed to acting in your best interest. That's why it's got to be a CFP. Find your CFP professional at Let'sMakeAPlan.org.